Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 32. I am Kyle Gold. I'm I didn't even say anything, and you're all flustered already. I came here thinking Mom. again about how we're halfway to a 64, and I'm wondering if in episode 64 we need to have a huge freak out where we shout that number. I'm missing a reference, I think. There's this old, old internet video where these two young kids on Christmas morning get a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. Oh. And they freak out over the Nintendo 64. Well, we've already talked about what we might do for our 100th episode, but 64 comes before that, so... Is episode 100 the gay pirate wedding? Perhaps. We're going we're gonna to let our listeners wonder about that. Okay. Um, no kit, we're not going to tell them what we're doing for the 69th episode. They're all going to speculate about that anyway. I don't think I'm going to be here for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, funnily enough, leads into one of our questions tonight. Um, but this is a podcast, despite our introduction, where we talk about um, furry writing and just writing in general. Uh, we're both writers of adult material, so we field adult questions, but uh, we don't actually... I, I would say probably not the majority of our questions revolve around adult material. I think that you're right about that. I think that if there's not really a line between writing techniques when it comes to, you know, is your story adult or not? I like to say that we're all grown-ups here and that we can yeah. all deal with the themes that, you know, we want to explore in however way we think, you know, is necessary for what story we're writing at the time. No more than there's a different technique for historical fiction as opposed to contemporary. Right. Um, historical sex fiction versus contemporary sex fiction. I've I've written some historical sex fiction. Yes, you have. And contemporary sex fiction. And futuristic. And, and futuristic. Cartoony. And and yeah, cartoony. Oh, I haven't. I still get comments on them. You know. Yeah. Um, people are like, "When are you going to write more lunatics fan fiction?" And I was like, "That wasn't me." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! People remember this show. It wasn't even good when it was on. <laughs> yeah, the the problem was that the second season was so not good. It wasn't even, like, the first season I was like, hey, these are interesting characters and you could do some cool stuff with them. And then the second season just leached all that out of them. And Didn't the second season have the episode, though, where they meet Rev, uh, Tech's parents? And it's... They meet Rev's parents. Rev's, Tech, okay. Rev takes Tech home to meet his parents. Yes, I that, know, which was, yeah. you would think would be fodder for a story, if nothing else. But I watched that episode, and apart there... from the one bit where <laughs> Rev said, if you weren't a coyote and a guy, I'd kiss you. <laughs> and Tech made some comment in response, which I don't remember what it was, but because I think was, I was laughing too hard. Because at that point, it was like, did the writers read these stories, and are they pandering to us? Maybe. Um, I got impatient. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, uh, not much. Not much to report on our status. I keep plugging away. I I fully anticipate that. By the time this podcast is released, or at least by the time we record the next one, uh, I will have finished a draft of the sequel to Out of Position. 
And I'm going to keep plugging away too, but I will make no promises as to when I will have finished by. Or even what you're going to have finished. Exactly. <laughs> you're That's... slippery that way. Exactly. And in other ways. And... <laughs> <laughs> I think you out on Tondra me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's. We got a bunch of um, emails to read, so we're going to try to power through them in this episode. If we don't get all the way to the end, then we don't. But. Some okay. of them are kind of short and don't require much discussion. Right. So I will start. So greetings, Kyle and Cam. I've heard some people talk about listening to music and how it helps them to focus and inspire them. I was wondering if either of you use music to influence the creative process at all. Thanks and keep putting these out. They keep me amused at work and help me get through the day. DJ Dragon. Well, first, thanks for listening. I'm glad that we can do that. We're uh, always glad to be entertaining. Yeah. Uh, we've touched on the music thing before. Um, yeah. And I think that, uh, yeah, I wish I could remember what episode it was. So I could just say the number, but, uh, I, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm sure some of our listeners will, and we'll write it in the comments, but, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I almost always listen to music when I'm writing and what I listen to depends on what I plan on writing. I try to sort of think of the mood of whatever it is I'm, uh, gonna be writing and pick something that fits that. And I'm not nearly as picky. I write. Uh, I've written to like Rachmaninoff, and I've written to Green Day. Um, sometimes, on occasion, I'll pick the thing I'm listening to based on the mood of what I'm writing. But more often, it's just because um, I grew up without much uh, sensory input around and so now I feel the need to surround myself with it at all times like I'll have music playing and the TV on and be writing yeah I don't know how you do that <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't. don't know either I've tried to write while watching TV and I just end up watching TV well the thing is I write in little bursts so I'll I'll do some if I'm not watching TV I'll play solitaire so I'll like write a couple paragraphs and then I'll play solitaire while I'm thinking about what I was writing or just to give my brain a rest and then I'll go back to writing. So if the TV's on, then I write and I glance up at the TV and then I go back to writing. And if I'm really focused and the words are just coming, then I ignore whatever else is going on. Tina Fey is so darn entertaining. How can you take she, your eyes off She her? is. Well, I don't put on 30 <laughs> Rock. I, I put on like old sitcoms that I've seen a million times okay. already. Um, so there you go. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next email. Hello, this is Theorian, your resident Black Panther. Now, fair warning, this question is not about writing or anything, but by listening to the whole podcast, I can't help but wonder. Okay, so you all seem like such good friends on the show, so I have to ask, and this is directed toward KM, have you ever walked in on Kyle and Kit fooling around? See, now, the key thing here is that you say that we seem like such good friends, and as a good friend... I would never just barge in through the door to their bedroom without knocking. And, or, and as good friends, we would not be fooling around in public areas of our house when we expected company. Yeah. I mean, I will come in through the front door without knocking, but that's because they're usually waiting for me to show up, and they know I'm coming over. Um, however... <laughs> so, if if it were to happen, it would have to happen as part of a kind of practical joke which i don't think is the kind of joke we would play no although it would certainly succeed in flustering me for about like a month 
I'd go into like a catatonic <laughs> state that you couldn't pull me out of. However, as you were going to say. Yes, however, I do have a story about other people walking in on uh, Kyle and Kit fooling around. I actually just posted the text version of it to my FA the other day. And uh, you can hear the story on this podcast as Unsheath presents number two. So had you asked, have you ever imagined someone walking in on Kyle and Kit fooling around? The answer would be an the emphatic would, yes. Th- yes, it, I, w- I was going to say very yes. I'm also amused that he didn't ask what our reaction to that would have been. So we will not respond <laughs> since we weren't asked. That's a blatant leading uh, thing there. Oh, I know. We're going to get that question in the next couple of days, which means you all can expect to hear it around Unsheathed number 40 or something. Yep. We are trying to move through these, and I'm not helping. <laughs> Hello, Hirosaki-san and Mr. Gold. I'd like to first thank you for all the work you've put into your podcast as of late. It has become a constant source of inspiration for my writing. I do not currently share the majority of my work with the public eye, but I have been trying to break out of that shell for some time, and eventually maybe someone will have actually read something of mine online. Now for the actual question part. I've always had a substantial amount of trouble when it comes to building relationships and the proper time to insert subplot sections into my longer works. While this usually isn't the case for my short stories, my large projects lack significant depth whenever nothing big is happening. That is, on a quiet night after a huge battle, I attempted to elaborate most on the romantic interest between two characters, but failed miserably due to my lack of emotion in the words. I suspect I would be able to get better if my writing style had a bit more sheen. Any tips that you have, have any tips that would help create a better mood, or at least the mood you want to use? I hope this question finds you well, and I'm assuming this will be right after Furry Fiesta. I'm sorry I did not drop by to get a book signed. But alas, family issues took priority, although I do hope to introduce myself properly at a future convention. Keep writing, stay funny, and may life treat you right. Odd. Your resident Xbox playing story writing voice acting husky. That's quite a talented husky. Yeah. (laughs) There's a joke in there about training that I'm not going to make because that might be rude. (laughs) Rue or rude? Rude. Um, oh, it's an interesting question. Um, the if uh, I, I'm I'm inclined to say that if you're having trouble putting emotion into the words, it's because you're not feeling it between the characters. Yeah, and that. Uh, you you need to be kind of more in their heads. Maybe it's as simple as, you know, the night after a battle, they're not really focused on the romance. You're just trying to push it in there. Yeah. Or maybe it's just that you're thinking of the characters more as action figures and that you haven't thought about what's driving them towards each other in a romantic way. Yeah. I mean, if you sat down and you try to write a scene a bunch of times and you keep thinking, oh, this feels forced, it probably is forced. And you might want to re-examine whether a different scene would go better there, or if the scene that you want to write would go better at a different time. Right. I mean, a lot of... When you come to... You mentioned tone and whatnot, and mood, and really abrupt shifts in tone and mood, if you don't do them right, can be really jarring for the reader, and for the writer as well. I mean, if you're trying to go from slapstick funny to you know, deeply serious without a lot of things in between them, you know, then that's, you know, something that's not easy to do if you're going from, you know, 
really dark and violent to mushy and romantic, you're going to have a similar issue. Yeah, it's it's tough to do, but it's not impossible, of course. Um, oh, yeah. And if it's done well, it can be very effective. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of someone that I know who does that well. Um, Tolkien does great battles, and while it's not specifically romance, he is really good at taking the characters out of the battles afterwards yeah. and taking you to a more quiet space that feels natural, that the characters are recuperating from the battle. And really, you want to do that for the reader as well, because the battles are maybe not physically, but they're as draining for the reader as they yeah. are for the characters because they're full of energy, full of impact. Yeah. Um, tension. Tension, conflict. And you can't just have an entire story like that, so you do need that break. Um, yeah. So like the thing here when you're talking about you know going from a battle to a romantic scene, rather than you know outright romance, at that point I think that a good you know tack to take it is you can still focus on the serious aspect of the relationship without it necessarily being romantic. You know, for example, you know, you know, you say like after a huge battle, I mean, that's something where, you know, people can reflect on, you know, like their own mortality, the mortality of the people they know. It's like, Hey, look, like realize like I might not get another chance to say this. So like, I need to do this now, that sort of thing, rather than I'm going to light candles and be all mushy at you. Yeah. That's actually a really good, really good point. I mean, and that puts them right in the mindset you know, battles are really stressful things. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. You can have, like, you know, you can create tension by, like, maybe the other person's like, look, I really just kind of need to be away from all this right now and mentally purge myself of all, like, of what's just happened. Like, don't try to have a deep conversation with me right now. That's a, that's a, actually, you could have some really interesting interactions based on that. Oh, or maybe you could have, you know, create tension by having the, <clears throat> one person walk in on the other person he's interested in fooling around with someone and that could completely fluster him. With Although- Gandalf? Really? <laughs> All this time? Uh, go back and read the very secret diaries of the Lord of the Rings, folks. They're awesome. <laughs> Sam will kill him if he tries anything. <laughs> um, well, hopefully that helps. Um I'm I'm most curious. You you kind of blame it on your writing style, but I'm not sure that the style is the problem. Yeah, I would say I would agree. Um, go through, get get away from the keyboard and go through in your head um, what it feels like to be in a battle, what it feels like afterwards, and play out those emotions. Yeah, and you can kind of nudge them in one direction or another, but if it's not authentic, it's not going to flow. Yeah. And you also specifically call out that you're doing this for subplots. You can worry less about subplots on your first draft. It's really when you go back to revise and edit that the subplots take most of their shape. Yep. Good point. Ah, moving on. Thanks for your thoughts on my previous question. It helped quite a bit. Plus, just thanks in general for your podcast. It's inspired me to get writing again, and it's entertaining and sexy. In other news, you just about convinced me to get a Twitter account, this from the vehemently Twitter-opposed Otter, just so I can use hash tail swish. <laughs> and that's from Skip. Well, we would welcome you on Twitter, Skip. And if uh, you're an Otter, you need to do the, the hash rudder swish. Rudder swish, yeah, yeah. exactly. 
And if you're not an otter, you have to do hash wag. Um, but, uh, hash otter wag. <laughs> otter wag. Isn't that something someone else does to an otter? Uh, wasn't that a movie like back in the 90s that wasn't particularly good? Maybe. Uh, okay. No, that was Jim Cotta. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome to Obscure Joke Cast. <laughs> Welcome back, Otter. <laughs> oh, God, before this degenerates. Um, I, I will note that it's a particularly interesting phenomenon of Twitter that nearly everyone I know who has gotten on it in the last six to eight months or whatever was vehemently opposed to it. Yeah, guilty. And then, yeah, same here. I was like, why do I need to waste my time telling people what I'm eating or that I'm waiting five minutes for the bus? But um, I, I think my favorite example actually was um, was our, our resident corgi, Zia McCorgi at uh, Furry Fiesta. Oh, God. Said <laughs> he'd been avoiding Twitter and he didn't want to get on it because it was going to be a waste of his time and everything. And then when he saw everybody sort of twittering around each other and then with people far away he's like all right and boy he's he's taken to that like a corgi oh yeah um the stubby legs couldn't carry him across the twitter sphere fast enough but uh yeah and everybody who who then gets on it within like a day they're twitter and they're like oh this is kind of cool like once you start doing it you're like oh i get it now yeah and it just sort of clicks it's it's amusing that it's really hard to explain yeah but um, but yeah, let us let us know what your uh, what your Twitter account is, and we will uh, we will follow you. All right. Good day slash evening writing duo. I wanted to start by saying that while I am not a writer, I have been listening to your podcast nonstop for about a week. After finding out about the fandom as a whole about a week and a half ago, Ooh. I enjoy listening to you guys and have actually thought about participating in NaNoWriMo this year if only because it sounds fun, albeit very hectic. Back in episode 5 of the podcast, a listener asked Hirosaki-san what the KM in his name stood for. Well, I too have a guess. While the K was a bitch, I think I have it. Keagu. It's the Tsugaru dialect of the word friend, the English translation of the word tomodachi. Um, he goes into a big, uh, long thing about the M here, which is probably not worth getting into because it's not correct. I don't want to go through all that just for that. But uh, amazingly enough, yes, that is what the K stands for. <laughs> Somebody actually finally got it after wow. months and months and months. Um, I think I did officially rescind the contest, the contest prize on this a while back. I don't know if he's listened up that far. But uh, yeah, wow. Uh, good job. I, you don't, I, I got a lot of entries on this, too. A bunch of people emailed me. <laughs> And you're the first person to guess Keagu, so there you go. Maybe you can email Hirosaki-san and he'll put a character in one of his stories for you or something. Maybe. He has my email address, or he, he's, uh, he's been in touch with me through Sofury or something like that. Yeah, he's, but, uh, he, he's emailed too. Um, very cool. I'm, I'm glad that we're part of the introduction to fandom packet now. Yeah, there we go. We very can, pleased about that. Yeah. Does that mean we've arrived? Uh, I think it means we've uh, not yet departed. I don't know what the distinction is. I just wanted to say something different. There you go. 
<laughs> One of my friends' his favorite uh, response when challenged on a point is just, I do not disagree, <laughs> which is a nice, neutral, non-confrontational statement. Kit, for a while, used to say, I have no objection to that. <laughs> I plead the fifth. The good thing about the word Keagu is that it naturally shortens just back to K again. Ah. So there you go. So you can still just call me K. Or you can call me K, but you don't have to call me Keagu. <laughs> don't Speaking call of me obscure Gaga. joke podcast. <laughs> if you were born before nineteen eighty, you're not getting any of these. Um this one is a writing exercise from Blender, who should write in more because um we like his stuff. He does the word good. He does. He's full of good words. He writes, you need to do more of these writing exercises. Yes, Kid agrees, and so do we, and we will. Um, I had fun with this one. Even better, it prompted me to dig into a story idea I've been sitting on for a few months, even though I cheated a little by writing two short paragraphs. That's okay. One of our other entries was actually like five short paragraphs, but two of them were only one sentence, so we didn't notice. Yeah, we'll forgive you this time. So his entry is, Our flight to Cairo took 11 hours. Between naps, we discussed everything from beachfront property to red carpet fashion, but never once did I mention that the magazine had just fired me. To be honest, I was still in denial about it. What the hell did Alex know about career fulfillment anyway? He was the wealthiest fox this side of the hemisphere, and he didn't earn a penny of that himself. Then again, his parents were murdered when he was nine, so I guess that sort of sucks. Point is, I put a lot of pride in my work. I mean, sure, it was nice whenever Alex whisked me away on exotic trips or fucked me silly in his West Hollywood penthouse, but I could never turn that into a lifestyle. He didn't owe me a damn thing. Uh, and then he has questions, but um, let's talk about his contest, uh, his challenge entry first, and then we'll I'll read his questions and we can talk about them too. So I've read a fair bit of Blender stuff, actually, and I think one of the things that he does best is character voice. Yeah. He's really, really good at character voice, and that really shows through here. Um, again, a good first-person perspective is really difficult to do uh, for a lot of people, but this, there's a nice there's flow, there's patter, there's a believable, consistent tone of voice, and you can imagine somebody saying this to you, and that's the sign that you know you've really done it well. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I like, um, I got a real sense of the narrator and of his friend Alex. Yeah. And I will say one thing that jumps out at me kind of, and this is, it's not a, not a heavy criticism because this is an early draft and this actually, when he says an early draft, this is something that is typical of an early draft. Um, I love the second sentence because he says, we discussed everything from beachfront property to red carpet fashion. And read that and then look at the difference between that and um, saying, what the hell did Alex know about career fulfillment? He was the wealthiest fox this side of the hemisphere and he didn't earn a penny of that himself. Then again, his parents were murdered when he was nine. So the difference between those two sentences and then a little later on, whisked me away on exotic trips and stuff, the first sentence is more specific. It's details. Mm. Beachfront, you say everything from beachfront property to red carpet fashion, but those are two very specific details that tell you things about the narrator and his friend. Yeah. Um, 
when you say, well, he was the wealthiest fox this side of the hemisphere, and his parents were murdered when he was nine, those are very vague. Those are like very high level. Um, they they tell you in a very general way without showing you stuff. Um, so I would say, you know, instead of he was the wealth, what the hell did Alex know about career fulfillment anyway? His idea of a job was having to get his own scotch and water from the bar. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, there, that's there's better ones, but no, but it's 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 a, it's a, it's a good it, it gets the mind thinking of examples. Right. Yeah, and um, you know when you say whisk me away on exotic trips instead of exotic trips, you could say, you know, took me backpacking in Machu Picchu or took me to the beach in Fiji or. You know, even took me on the beach in Fiji. <laughs> took me on the beach, yeah. Or fucked me silly in his West Hollywood penthouse. That's kind of detailed, but even West Hollywood penthouse is a little bit vague. And you could say, you know, on the satin sheets overlooking the, um, overlooking the L.A. basin, yeah. or something. Um, more as you as you go through a couple edits, look for places where you can insert those details because they really. They really give the story uh, body. I I'm just know, thinking it's like, it's like the difference is that I knew those important details. That and my story was true. <laughs> I don't even remember where that's from now. That's from Go. It's oh, like, like, that's was I think it you just watched that recently. I haven't it, seen that in years. Like, was it hard or was it soft? It's like, do you remember if it was a colored lens? Like, first she had two blue eyes, and now she had one blue, one brown. It's like the difference is in the details about relaying a story, and that's what this is making me think of. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what jumped. That's the first thing I would look at because, and that's only, and I'm only bringing that up because the rest of it's really well done. I mean, yeah. the, the sentence structure and everything flows well. It sounds natural. It sounds like good narrative. It's got great voice, as you say, and it tells you a lot about both characters in just two paragraphs, which isn't hard, which isn't easy to do. Yeah. We're going to, we're giving you the, the more detailed cutting criticism because we know you can handle it. <laughs> we hope. Uh, and then his questions are, I doubt this exact passage will end up in the final draft, but I'm curious about a couple things. One, is the narrator too aware of his own conflict? Do you think this should be subtler or does it even matter? And two, how can I incorporate more animal characteristics without going overboard? Maybe it's not always necessary, but in this segment, they might as well be human. As always, thanks for your time, and keep up the good work. Well, so the animal thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at the end and work sure. backwards. Like a fox? Maybe not. Um, start at the end? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's stretching. It's reaching. Oh, you did not. You did. You did. <laughs> Make your point. The, um... The animal characteristics are a great place where you can you can include those in details that we were just talking about. So you could say, you know, whisk me away on exotic trips. Um, you could say, took me to, I don't know, what's a good place? I don't even know what the narrator species is. If the narrator is like a wolf, you know, Took me hunting in Alaska, where my ancestors came from, um, or you know, 
you risk getting almost too on the nose with that, though, if you're not careful. A little bit, and that's yeah. just that I'm. You know, we're trying to think of stuff off the top yeah, of our heads I'm here, and it's not too. really coming. But just, yeah, but those are good places for detail. So instead of saying maybe we discussed everything from beachfront property to red carpet fashion, you could talk about. You know, we discussed everything from how bad skunks smell to tail conditioner and <laughs> what keeps your fur sleek and um, just things that things that furries would talk about you know if you were in fashion and you had fur one of the things that you would talk about is what fabrics go best over fur what feels best what looks best because you're not going to and there's going to be certain and not fur right (laughs) and uh i think you know black and white are going to be much more standard colors for fashion because you're going to have animals with so many or species with so many different colors of fur yeah you'll have Cats, which are more yellow and tawny, and um, wolves, which are gray and brown, and foxes, which are red, and, and you know all kinds of others. So colors are, are a lot more important. Um, they're not as, you know, we've got like four colors of people, but you'll have a million different colors and body types of animals. Um, so when you say red carpet fashion, you could be even more specific about that. Um, you could talk about, you know, since Alex is super rich, maybe he has access to some kind of great fabric that keeps your fur all lay in the same way. Um, that sounds really comfortable, and I don't even have fur. Uh, actually, um, I had that idea a while ago, and then I was reading a, a bit that Foosball wrote, which actually where he was talking about um, pantyhose for furs, which is actually the fibers are treated so that they don't catch on the fur. And that you can actually smooth down the fur so it keeps it laying the same way and it doesn't poke out between the fibers. Ooh. But, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, again, a place where you'd put in little details. Um, so you, I think you had something about his first question about being aware of the conflict. Uh, Unless well, you had more to add about that. To, to add on that thing, I was yeah. going to say another good place to throw an animal characteristics. You do talk about them fucking. There's always a way to throw animal characteristics in there staying true to the theme of this podcast yeah i I was leaving that one open for you yes you were well no because i mean there's a sort of raw instinctual thing that comes with sex and i think that that naturally lends itself to you know mentioning the more innate animal attributes of the characters yeah i mean you can go to you know whether he's lifting my tail in his penthouse or yanking my tail up and bending me over the balcony railing tying me with his knot <laughs> otter's getting real close to being flustered here i think or at least needing a little bit of a break back in my head it's like trying to think of different things to say and all these colorful mental images are playing across my head and they're both dressed really well is the thing oh yeah and that yeah okay i, I did start a story with a coyote being fucked over a balcony yes you did it's a good story (laughs) i think that one might have even started it with an i am conversation with you i think it was and we're not going to repeat what that conversation was about well i think people can i don't know what we could say that would be worse than coyotes getting fucked off the edge of balconies oh he was drunk at the time too wasn't he and like about to throw up in fact he did throw up oh he did yeah under the hood of someone's car i just wrote another story where someone gets Fucked over a railing. And uh, there was some of that in the first challenge story you wrote for me, too. 
The two foxes yeah, who live next that door. Wasn't, that wasn't over a railing. That was just sort of on a balcony. That was just on a balcony in plain view. Well, it was Kaya Mirasaki's world. Why wouldn't they be in an ideal view? world? I would have fox neighbors who have sex on an open balcony. That's I'm not going to deny it. And they'd both be attractive, of course. Um, all right. So we were. Um, the narrator too aware of his own conflict. Um, I don't. I think this. Again, this passage kind of reads like an early draft in that you're laying out exactly. You're laying it out, but you're laying it out well enough that I don't think you need to tweak it too much. Yeah. It doesn't feel forced. The narrator seems like he'd be aware of it. Alex does not seem like he would be aware of it. Right. And that's okay. I mean, I don't know where the story's going from here necessarily, but just based on that, I mean, it is legitimate to have a narrator start a story by putting forth what, you know, he thinks the core issue of the story he's about to tell is. Yeah. And I'm curious about um, saying Alex didn't – he didn't owe me a damn thing because kind of what I get from the earlier paragraphs is maybe the narrator owes Alex things. But um, he seems to be sort of pull it, putting it out there kind of belligerently like, well, he didn't owe me a damn thing. So why do I – why should I tell him I've been fired? He doesn't know what it means to work. And Yeah, like I'm not his damn charity case. Right. But um, – but no, I mean, we like the tone and I think it works really well. No, yeah. I mean, do, do I think it needs to be subtler? I mean, it's already not, it's not too unsubtle, I don't think. No, I think it, I mean, as you, as you go through an edit, you'll smooth it out a bit more. But um, I think, you know, given without any more context, like, I don't know how much it goes on in the rest of the narrative, but. It is a promising start. If this came into my slush pile, I would keep reading it after the first two paragraphs. Yeah, definitely. Which there are some stories where after the first two paragraphs, I already know I'm stopping. So why don't we go on? We're all right. We have another uh, entry here in the paragraph intro. His short ears twitched softly. The hustle and bustle of the street outstretched before him had always seemed like the perfect wake-up call he needed so early. Patting down the street, his dark amethyst eyes gleamed with enthusiasm as they fell upon his destination ahead. Jesse heaved a soft breath as the morning breeze ran through his sleek black fur, and he came to the door of Starbucks. Just as he reached for the door, it opened. He stepped to the side politely as a small white rabbit emerged, coffee cup and paw. Jesse held the door open as the young boy stepped out. Jesse gave a coy smile as their eyes met for a brief second. The rabbit walked on with a small grin on his muzzle. Ruffling the tuft of white hair atop his head, Jesse walked in. Yeah, I actually need to apologize. I forgot we weren't reading the names on these when we did the previous one, but he wrote a longer email, so I think it's all right. Okay. I didn't but, read a name on no, this No, 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 you didn't. And I, I'm apologizing because I read the name on the previous one. Oh, and- right. I'd forgotten that we weren't doing that. Yeah, but, but we we addressed so much th- to him directly anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think it's all right. So, uh, so there's a lot of good detail in this one. Um, it's mostly physical detail, and I think what I would suggest in this one is it's it's not so much an introduction to the character as it is a description. Yeah. Um, the one thing that we do get from it is that the character he's kind of a flirt. 
Yeah, and very you know go with the flow kind of sort of the, there's a there's a casual air right I get, but we don't get we don't get a conflict really. We get that he's. I mean, he's going to Starbucks to get coffee, of course, but we don't get why he needs the coffee right then. Like, it's not, I need coffee before I can function. It's just sort of, I'm going yeah. to Starbucks. And he doesn't seem, like, super-duper tired on his way there. Right. I'm all in favor of people going to Starbucks, by oh, yeah. the way. But oh, you should see me before my coffee in the morning. <sighs> I never have. <laughs> <sighs> to head off questions from future listeners. Future questions from current listeners. Or future listeners from current questions. Say and something. If anyone who works for Starbucks wants to send us a check for shilling. Oh, <laughs> uh, we could be supported by Starbucks. We will certainly uh Yeah, we'll take that. We'll uh we'll support Starbucks every every podcast. There's a... but yeah, like you said, there's a lot of physical detail in here. Uh a lot again, like a sort of this is stuff that you can always pick out after you've done a first draft. Um Things like calling out like eye color and whatnot, I tend to not really see as this. And like, until a physical description is relevant to mention, I usually feel that just sort of mentioning it out of the blue, um, just kind of like can feel a little awkward and a bit sort of like RP ish. Yeah, it does get that. And, but it's an interesting balance between this one and the previous one because this one, the furriness of the characters is front and center. And so, you know, if you want that, that's one way to do it. I would tone it down a little bit from what he's got. I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Um, I mean, like talking about the much. way that his ears move as he walks down the street and whatnot. You know, maybe like a, the jaunty kink in his tail, like that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's part of the action that's happening, and it's relevant to the sort of furnace. That's fine. That's actually actually a pretty good way to get those points across. And you always want to double team your words when you can. <laughs> um in that fashion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um not just giving a physical description of a body part but mentioning what is happening with the body part. What, you know, the fur um like reaching up to muss his fur or yeah. flicking his ears to catch the sounds of the street is good. It gives you the physical description and the emotional character description at the same time. Right. So, yeah, really, you just want it, you want to be able to give the physical description at the same time as you're describing the character. So you get so that one doesn't it doesn't feel like you're pushing one on the reader. Right. I mean, if you know, you know, when I first started on this track, I mentioned you know relevance to what's you know being said and you know if you like you said coupling it with an action or you know something else that's happening is a way to you know naturally bring that out without you know having to like you said not to force it on the reader right uh all right and our last one um he gives a little bit of an intro i'm just gonna read the challenge itself the rumbling tones of the hard rock entrance music was swallowed up by a roar, the crowd rising to their feet. Craig sighed as he limbered himself up, rolling his arms as the panther entered the arena. 
Fans screamed for him, screamed for the sleek black warrior as he strode down the ramp, eyes pointed directly at the ring, directly at him. They smoldered with a yellow inferno, backed by a mouth that was neutral but for the slightest upturning of his lip. There was anger fuel in that confidence. The feline barely registered the referee checkpoint, floating through the motions and starting his ethereal walk up into the ring. The first black footpaw hit canvas and the air became sharp, the scent of sweat and competition wafting into Craig's nostrils. The panther stood at his full height, a towering obelisk of silent power, yellow eyes burning a small shiver into the husky. He shook it off and faced down the panther, the legend, forcing himself to grin. On this night, it seemed that no one would cheer for the underdog. I'm going to point out that uh, during the scene, the hard rock music entrance that I was imagining was uh, Metal Health by Quiet Riot. Uh, really? Because I was imagining the final <laughs> countdown. <laughs> I don't think that's hard rock, though. No, I don't think it is. Nor can it ever be taken seriously again. No, Arrested Development thankfully ruined that. But it ruined it so well, in well, the yeah. best way. I mean, because now we can actually listen to it ironically, where yes. we didn't even have that before. Yeah, you it sort was of just had pathetic. a mediocre song. Yeah, with a, a good guitar riff, but uh, it's hell to sing. Um. Unless you're a weasel, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, this one actually does a, a nice job of setting the stage. Yeah. There's um, a good sense of atmosphere. There is. Um, the The atmosphere in place is really good. Uh, I don't get as much a sense of the two characters so much. Um, a little more, actually, of the non-point of view character. Right. But... Uh, little things like, you know, anger, fuel, and his confidence. We get told that, but we don't really see it as much. Yeah, like the why. Like, how does he know that? Why does he think that? Right. And uh, the the point of view character is very neutral about it. He's just kind of resigned. Like, well, i got to fight him. And we don't really get why he's there or what the fight is mm. going to mean to him. Like, is he doing this to win the respect yeah. of his boyfriend or girlfriend or is he doing this for the prize money or is he doing this because he yeah. wants the fame or you know. maybe he is just resigned to do it maybe he yeah. has to do it but why yeah why 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 <laughs> always asking questions um but yeah actually really really nice description yeah um maybe a little i would i would maybe go with a little less of the physical detail like maybe just a little less it seemed yeah. a little bit over much to me yeah um, i mean it's it's very evocative and i think that when you get to a certain point you don't need to go so far yeah but again this feels kind of like an early draft and you in an early draft you just want to throw down every thought you've got that's relevant and then you go through edits and edits and edits and you trim out the stuff that doesn't work and then you Pair add it down more until things you have yeah, the the big trick with with writing in general actually is to give a you know just as much as you need. It's and always not balance. More than that. I always yeah. say that now. It's always about balance between so many different things, like a diet or a seesaw, <laughs> um, which I never understood the point of. To go up and down, up and down, up and down. You know the point of that. Yeah, but not on a piece of wood. Oh, they're just... I'm 
I'm not even going to dignify that with a snarky response. Uh, Kit's rolling his eyes. Um, but that, so good, good intro. Uh, you know, a couple of these could use a little bit more editing, but um, you're thinking about going up and down. I'm just thinking, like, taking the seesaw analogy, it's going, it's like up and down, up and down, in public, in front of a group of children. <laughs> And for the record, Cam Hirosaki has never walked in on me and Kit playing on a seesaw. No, ooh, but I. Ooh, mm. <laughs> and while Cam Hirosaki is now imagining me and Kit playing on a seesaw, um, I'm going to let you know that we will have a special guest on the next Unsheath, number 33. We're going to have the world famous Buck Hopper, or B Hop as he's known. Speaking of things that bounce up and down. Speaking of things that bounce up and down on their own. And. He's going to talk to us is about... That, is that rabbits or basketballs? Yes. Rabbits on basketballs. Um, he's going to be talking to us about character creation and creating distinguishing characteristics and how to make characters stand out, distinctive. And uh, I think he was going to bring some of his uh, creating stuff. So we were going to roll up uh, games or characters or something yeah, here. I'm actually really uh, excited to see how that episode is going to go. And uh, Kyle can barely restrain himself. <laughs> I need Kit to restrain me. Um, <laughs> our our little indiscreet bunker is just it, to be a fly on this wall. I think the temperature's gone up a couple degrees since we started. Um, but uh, it's a good thing you have that fur pleating pantyhose. Yes. Well, I don't have them on now. Um, <laughs> anymore. <but laughs> um, so we're we're also we're gonna get um, we're gonna get like street names. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Because he's, he's B Hop number seven, and I think I'm gonna be KG two because we know who KG one is. Okay, yeah. Um, if you follow professional basketball, yeah. you know who KG is. So I can't be KG. I have to be KG two. Yeah. So he says we have to come up Some with a name for impossible. you. <laughs> <laughs> if we can give you a catchphrase, <laughs> some things are desirable. Something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, that should be a lot of fun. So be sure to tune in. Um, we're gonna. I think we're going to leave it there because we've got uh, we've got cake for after. Yes, we do. Kind of sugary cake. Um, so that was not the sound of my belt hitting the floor. It <laughs> <laughs> was worth it just for the love. Oh boy! All right, it is late, and uh, please keep writing in because uh, we we love y'all's letters and. Um, we can write. You can write us at unsheathedpodcast at gmail dot com. You can follow us on FA as unsheathed. If you have furry writing questions or embarrassing relationship questions, apparently, um, let us know. I'm Kyle Gold on Twitter. I am KM Hirosaki on Twitter. Um, I am not an expert on seesaw sex dynamics, so if you have a question on how to make that work. Uh, you're going to have to ask someone else or just trial and error it. You could ask Kame Hirosaki to trial and error it. 
See what he says. You could. I don't have a seesaw at home. Ah, uh, boy, there's a song in there somewhere. All I'm thinking now is Mama's got a squeeze box. <laughs> <laughs> Otter's got a seesaw. Otter's got a seesaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we leave you with that mental image. Thank you all for listening. We do so much appreciate the letters, and we're glad that we're a part of the Welcome to Fandom packet now. Yeah, thanks. And, yeah, wow, that's... And Very to think cool. that somebody's been in the fandom list in like two weeks and he's gotten the K in my name and nobody else has. Wow. I think you should do something special for him. But I will try. Buy him a seesaw. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise it will involve a seesaw. All right. All right. I'm Kyle Gold. I'm Cam Hirasagi. Wishing you a very good night. And keep writing. <laughs>